This morning, uh, Peter read for us the words of Psalm 34. In that chapter, we heard the story of deliverance, of healing, of this seemingly unwavering belief that God treats the righteous in some special way and that everything will be all right. If that was the only story in the Bible, I think, though, that we would have to conclude that the Bible is a book of deception. Because we all know that the righteous do get broken bones. And that they do have problems. And that there are no special protection from the problems of the world for the Christian. And so fortunately, Psalm 34 is only one view, if perhaps an overly optimistic It rings with hope of what is to come, the assurance of God's care for those who seek after him. But when we read the Psalms as a whole, we hear a tension between the faithfulness of God who saves and heals and redeems on one hand, and the cries of despair and utter loneliness on the other, like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I've been thinking a lot about sickness and death for the last few weeks. I'm reminded of our Tuesday Zoom call a few weeks ago, and we were having this friendly debate about what the right time is to put up Christmas decorations, and when you can start buying eggnog, and when the lights can go up, and, and how you decorate your tree. And we were, we were laughing and, and having uh, a good conversation about, about Christmas and, and the joys of that. And our conversation switched, and we found ourselves talking about death, about sickness, about the fears that we sometimes have around those topics. Death, sickness, affliction, these all reveal to us the vulnerability and the frailty of our human lives. As much as we like to pretend that we are in control, that we are masters of our own destiny, we can also be reminded in an instant that it's all an illusion. I love how Tish Harrison Warren puts it. She says, Our illusions of piety can be undone with one toothache. And she goes on, she says, A lot of what appears as kindness or patience or holiness in my life is fueled by good health, energy, and simple pleasures. When these are taken away, it's clear that I'm not patient after all. I just didn't have back pain. (laughs) The singer David Wilcox has said that a head cold is being pulled over by the reaper as a warning. I like that. A head cold is being pulled over by the reaper for a warning. When sickness, death, affliction, suffering appear, all of our illusions of control are removed and we discover the something that links us to all of those around us. Because the reality is that all of humanity is linked through hardship and suffering. And so I was struck by this line in Psalm 34, verse 18. It says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those whose spirits are crushed. Or in the words of Eugene Peterson in the message, he says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Oh, sorry, he says, If your heart is broken you'll find God right there. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. 
This image of the nearness of God in the case of the brokenhearted, in the moments of undoing in our lives, reminded me of Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, verse 4, it says, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Those who are brokenhearted, those who mourn, desperately need the touch of the one who comforts. In the early 1900s, there was a mystic by the name of Simone Weil, and she wrote a lot about suffering. She actually, uh, during her life, voluntarily gave up much of her wealth, her income, her prestige, her education, so that she could embrace more suffering, so that she could empathize, empathize with those who suffered so that she could know Christ more. She wrote that the extreme greatness of Christianity lies in the fact that it does not seek a supernatural remedy for suffering, but a supernatural use for it. In other words, Christians have seen that suffering is not only a place of pain, but a place of meeting God. It is when we are brokenhearted, when we are mourning, that we are perhaps most able to learn how to give and receive love. In the scriptures, we see that both Paul and Peter talk about the way in which Christians share in the suffering of Christ in their own life. For example, Peter wrote in 1 Peter 4.13, again in the message, he said, Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. Which makes sense. Uh, Most of us don't learn anything the easy way. Pain, death, sickness, affliction, suffering, if nothing else, are effective teachers. The pathway of mourning, of being brokenhearted, can be a journey of descent into the thick of the shadow of the valley of death. But it can also be a place of ascent, of meeting with Christ. And this, I believe, is part of what we hear in the words of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And who is the one who comforts? It is God himself who is the comforter. When Jesus talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit, the word he uses is parakletos. I'm not a Greek expert, uh, so I probably pronounced that wrong. It literally means the one who comes alongside. It is the comforter. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. When we suffer, the promise of Scripture is that God is our comforter coming alongside to help. And so Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-7, May God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be blessed. He is the compassionate Father and the God of all comfort. He is the one who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort other people who are in every kind of trouble. We offer the same comfort that we ourselves received from God. That is because we receive so much comfort through Christ in the same way that we share so many of Christ's sufferings. So if we have trouble, it is to bring you comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, 
comforted, it is to bring you comfort from the experience of endurance while you go through the same sufferings that we also suffer. Our hope for you is certain because we know that as you are partners in suffering, so also you are partners in comfort. This passage in 2 Corinthians is a dizzying dance between suffering and comfort. And it's woven through this chapter and the next. But what I most want you to hear this morning is the character of God that Paul knows even as he suffers. And so he writes with confidence about God and he says he is the compassionate Father, the God of all comfort. The invitation for us as we suffer is to know that God in our suffering is to know him as the God who comforts. Blessed are you who mourn when your heart is broken, because now you are in the place where you can meet God as comforter. There is a real danger, though, in suffering. Uh, this line from Tish has really been working its way in my mind and heart this week. She wrote this, Comfort in pain is a human need. We need soothing as surely as we need food and water. So if we do not find solace in God the Comforter, we will inevitably seek it elsewhere. And what we habitually go to for comfort is eventually what we worship. It becomes our God. We all need soothing and comfort. It is a need of the human. We do not find it in God. We will habitually seek soothing and comfort in something else. And what we always turn to for our comfort will become our God. We live in a world of addiction. We want to numb the pain we feel. And so for many of us, the temptation is not to mourn. It is to buck up, to hold it in, to not express your pain, your suffering, your doubts, your fear, your anguish, your loss, your hurt, your sickness. We want quick fixes. We want to numb our pain. So we turn to drugs, alcohol, sex, pornography, food, phones, Netflix, video games, chocolate, social me media, volunteering, our jobs. And we desperately run from one thing to the next, hoping to numb what ails us, seeking the comfort of things rather than the comfort of God. And the danger, the danger is that that can be very effective. Those numbing agents will work, at least for a while. And so I can turn to my drink or another person or my work and I can find soothing and comfort for my heart. And I can numb it over and over again. It's quick. It's easy. It doesn't feel as bad in the moment sometimes. It short circuits, though, the healing work of God in our lives. It removes the opportunity to experience God, to experience Christ in the valley of the shadow of death. And so instead of meeting God, we erect idols. We erect idols to meet our needs in our lives, and we habitually go to those places of comfort, and they become our gods in whom we seek healing and wholeness for our broken hearts. The theologian Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, French guy, he calls us, above all, trust in the slow work 
of God. It's the work of stepping into our pain, of not short-circuiting through other numbing agents, but allow God the slow work in our hearts. My big idea this week as I sat down, I was wondering, what is the good news for you and me as we live in this time of disruption, of fatigue and sorrow? It was this. God is near to the brokenhearted. If your hearts feel weary, if your body is giving way, if you feel like mourning, God is near. We live in a world that celebrates strength. We find it, it finds its way into our churches as well. We say things like, won't it be great? I'm going to serve God with my strength, with the things that I can bring, and I'm going to, I have all this energy, and I'm going to serve God with these things great things and with my energy. But more than serving God with your strengths, I think that God would like you to serve him with your weakness. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, 8-10, I pleaded with the Lord three times for it to leave me alone, his weakness. He said to me, God said to him, my grace is enough for you because power is made perfect in weakness. So I'll gladly spend my time bragging about my weakness so that Christ's power can rest on me. Therefore, I'm all right with weakness, insults, disasters, harassment, stressful situations for the sake of Christ, because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. The counterintuitive way of the Christian faith is frailty, vulnerability, brokenness, mourning, and anguish. These are the places where God is able to meet us. And when finally my own strength comes to an end, and assuming that I don't go seeking other gods to numb the pain, I can meet with God who is near to the brokenhearted. Who can, we can now experience the Holy Spirit who is our comforter, who comes from the God of all comfort. And in that moment, we can begin to see God. So don't run from God, but lean into this loving God who is the God of all comfort and the compassionate Father. Amen.